Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's not just uh, Biden's approval rating falling generally across the board. It's falling with those specific groups that helped him win office in the first place. Uh, Independents, suburban voters, suburban women, and so forth. So uh, I think, you know, they, they, th- this is a, a reality check that the Democrats have to realize is going on here. And I'm, I'm kind of fascinated that they have failed to come to grips with reality. Yeah, I feel like it's, you know, a little early to be talking about approval ratings and all that sort of stuff for re-presidential election since it's three years away. Three years away. Well, and it's extra moot because the old bastard is not going to live that long, much less run again. I mean, maybe he'll be alive. There's no way he runs again. The the OB in question being Joseph R. Biden. <laughs> the OB, the old bastard. Oh, Apologize for my overly yeah, frank Yeah, true international depression. You know, he makes a good point there. Have a little respect for the office for crying out loud. Well, he's an old bastard. Anyway, he's not going to run again. I, well, I that bad at I know you uh, You have things you want to talk about. At some point this hour, I want to dive into the rapid shift in Democratic politics uh, toward the woke, the rapid backlash by some of the party fathers and mothers, uh, and also, uh, curiously, the rapid decline, practically disappearance of abortion as an electoral issue. So stay tuned. Yeah, which is really interesting. Um, whatever you have, it's not more important than what I've got here, and I'm going to tease you with it. All right. They've nailed down what time you should go to bed to lower your risk of heart disease. Oh, wait a minute. That's the now number you got one. My attention. That's the number one killer of all human beings is heart disease, isn't it? Certainly in America. Uh, so I know what time you need to go to bed to not die, but I'm not going to tell you now. Wow. I could save your life, but I'm going to hold it on to later. Wow. To drive up the value of the commercials. Wow, listen to that. Huh? Prostituting your health and happiness for his own gain. Can you imagine that, folks? See what I have to work with? So we might have a new boss. Gigi? Gigi. G-I-G-I. Gigi. Guy Guy? How do you pronounce her name? Gigi, probably. <laughs> Not Guy Guy? <laughs> I doubt it. Gigi Sohn is the uh, person up to be the chair of the FCC. That's the person that regulates us. And everything that is broadcast, the Federal Communications Commission. Uh, really not something we pay any attention to in the business. and No, not really. Care anything about. But this is kind of interesting. She once said, For all my concerns about Facebook, I believe that Fox News has had the most negative impact on our democracy. She said in October of last year. Just recently oh, she said that. God. It's state-sponsored propaganda with few, if any, opposing viewpoints. You're blind and an idiot. Congratulations, blind idiot. That's metaphorically blind, not literally unsighted. Well, you're certainly ignorant. Yes. A word and of, lacking in wisdom. And a word that is often thrown around like to mean stupid, but it just means you don't know something. I'm, I'm ignorant of neuroscience i'm incredibly ignorant when it comes to neuroscience mm-hmm. it's got nothing to do with my capacity to know something I just indeed don't know anything about it but she clearly just doesn't know what she's talking about and i just i found that i i know that's a common feeling among a lot of people on the left 
And it just drives me nuts. I watch CNN and MSNBC regularly. I never see an opposing viewpoint on those channels. Ever. If they've got shows where they have them, let me know what those shows are. I watch Brett Baer's newscast on Fox every single day. It's the best newscast in America. And he always has a person on there from the left representing the Biden viewpoint, the Democratic viewpoint, the just, you know, the other side of the story. When do you ever see that on CNN or MSNBC? Ever. Where they have somebody who's standing up for Trump's viewpoint or the idea of we we have too many illegals. Where's that voice on MSNBC? No, Fox, she says, had the most negative impact, has the most negative impact on our democracy. It's state sponsored propaganda with few, if any, opposing viewpoints. And she's going to be running the FCC. Wow. Wow. So what do you call a person like that? I mean, I want to go with idiot, jackass, fool. Maybe fool is the right word because her ideology. I mean, she's obviously got to be reasonably bright. I would assume. I mean, she's got to, but you know, human intellect is, we, we need better terms, I think, to discuss this because, okay, so her CPU. Her central processing unit is pretty good, you know, to use a computer for a metaphor. But then into human intellect goes, uh, call it um, uh, data. How much knowledge do you have? Do you have enough knowledge to really say anything or should you be quiet and keep learning? And then there's a the question of wisdom. I don't. What's the metaphor for that? Would that be uh, software, I guess? Do you have the capacity to take in what you have observed, assuming you've observed, and to see the patterns, to recognize when you don't have enough information? What do you call a person who obviously has a pretty good central processing unit, but says stupid effing things like that? I don't know. I just I hope I never get so uh, bubbled into a certain world that I'm I'm, I'm that blind to things. I don't know. That's something. Or is it possible the context in which she was speaking, she was trying to rouse the rabble. She was trying to accomplish Uh something. She makes no pretense at being intellectually honest. Could be. That very well could be. Uh, So we have. Uh, On the other hand, I think she ought to be barred from the freaking job. Unbelievable. Another bit of news that's uh, mostly funny. I don't know if it means anything. (coughs) Excuse me. Lingering COVID. Literally. Um, so where's Gavin Newsom was a talking point in California and made some national news as the governor had kind of disappeared from view for a while. Well, and he was supposed to be in Glasgow for the big uh, global warming conference. He was supposed to be uh, dining with uh, Greta Thunberg and probably hitting on her, you know, judging by his history. Turns That's out, just complete, utter nonsense. Turns out he was at some heiress's wedding in San Francisco. Billionaire heiress of the Getty family. Yes. And he had to be involved in the, in you know, these billionaire types. They, they do like the royal family thing. I mean, you have so a wedding is like a week-long thing. There's so many activities, and that's what he was busy doing. All that time. And Nancy Pelosi officiated that wedding. Oh, yeah. All those families are so tied in. So in the midst of trying to get all that legislation through and the back and forth and everything like that, she carved out time to officiate a billionaire heiress's wedding in San Francisco. Sure. To have an early dinner. That's something. Good morning. And you didn't hear much about that, did you? No, the, you, I guarantee you they said no cameras. No, we cannot have any pictures of us. We're the, we're the working people's party. We're the, we're the, we're, we're, we care about the downtrodden. No pictures yeah. of us at a billionaire heiress's wedding, all right? We had an early dinner. Interestingly enough, the downtrodden have less and less use for the Democratic Party. 
It's one of the most interesting, you know, rapid changes in politics I've seen. They're, they are tanking among working Americans. Just tanking for the reasons we've been discussing. Oh, and you know what? I think this is probably just long enough to round out the segment, and then we ought to get into uh, other stuff, which is, is just, I don't know. We could get into the, the war against wokeism. There's some great developments there. Do you care about avoiding uh, heart disease? Or oh, just, that's Should right, I just shelve that whole... for another time? You don't yeah, care about but... people's heart health. Well, are you going to do that now? I can if you want. Because I'll shut up if you want. Go ahead. There you go. I'll do the uh, the other thing later. What time should you go to bed if you want to lower your risk for heart disease? Huh? 10.03. I don't know. Are you going to tell us or not? They analyzed data for more than 88,000 adults, tracked them for around six year, years. Um, You want to go to bed between 10 and 11. Winning! Yes! That's about when I go to bed. Yes. Falling falling asleep earlier than 10 p.m. associated with a 24% increase in risk. Whoa. You go to bed before 10. Hmm. What I don't know if they teased out is all the other factors that go around along with that sort of person that either stays up later or goes to bed earlier. For instance, when did you get up? Well, that plays a role. You get popular journalism writing about science. You know what you get? You get crap. But also, there could be the... um, Well, it says here we cannot conclude causation from our study. That's what I was wondering about, the different lifestyles. Is there something about going to bed at that time that decreases your chance of heart disease? Or do people who smoke and drink more tend to stay up later? Or well, do people if they can't who eat, establish causation, uh, they gave me nothing. Do people who eat crappy foods tend to be more likely to stay up past midnight and get not get enough sleep? I'm sorry, I can't pay attention anymore. My friend Dave just texted me the link to Vogue's coverage inside Ivy Getty's fan, fantasy wedding weekend in San Francisco. The picture, good Lord, that's how the other half lives? The other half, the other .001%. Yeah, no kidding. Artist and model and hottie, Ivy Love Getty, my cousin, great grand, she's not really, a uh, great granddaughter of J. Paul Getty, one of the heiress to the oil fortune, blah, 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 married photographer Tobias Alexander Engel, blah, 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 officiated by Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. That's beautiful. It's nice. The richest of the rich pretending to care about the working class while leeching off the taxpayers for a lifetime. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Man, you uh, you are, as the Speaker of the House, not only is she one of the richest members in uh, all of government, she's running in some pretty narrow circles there. While they were dating, the New York-based couple traveled often. On one of their trips abroad, Toby asked Ivy to marry him. After attending the UNICEF ball, we went to Capri for three days, Getty says. Normally I pick where we go out to eat, but this time Toby insisted he pick. This didn't raise any red flags, but when I got to the restaurant, I thought to myself, oh, he really planned this, and we could go on, but you'd, you'd vomit. Yeah, I would. Um, yeah, that'd be the problem. Whatever. I am. If you're the sort of person that reads about that sort of thing, good for you, but I just We did. had a table overlooking the entire island away from the rest of the restaurant. All right, you're making me want to uh, yak. I want to yak. I want to unswallow. I want to heave. I want to gurgitate. Toby proposed with a sapphire engagement ring on a yellow gold band that's reminiscent of Princess Diana's ring. Oh, God. Oh, right. Oh, that brought it up. 
<laughs> oh, no. Somebody get a trash can. Somebody get a... Oh, God. Oh, the smell. You shouldn't oh, have mentioned man. Princess Di. That was too oh, much. Oh, God. That brought it up. That brought up my whole breakfast when you mentioned Princess Di. <laughs> Boy, I got to get on to the particulars of the... Uh, Point zero 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 one percent back an owl. Oh, jeez, a band reminiscent of Princess Diana's. What? Uh, what oh, the freak ever? This is just like uh, Judy and my wedding years ago. Art and panels from the house were incorporated into the save the dates and invitations. I didn't. Uh, we mentioned on uh, our local cast the the next day's. Uh, breakfast after the wedding, they had IV tents. So if you were hung over, you could go over and they jam a needle in your arm and fill you with the fluids. Is that a thing? I didn't know that was a thing. Mm. Let's see. So uh, night one, what time is it? We got a second for this. Uh, the wedding kicked off with a British invasion mod party at the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco Thursday night. The setting, the whole uh, decoration was inspired by the 1968 sci-fi movie Barbarella. And you know, there were no masks to be seen. People uh, arrived in short, sexy sequins. Mark Ronson DJed. Holy cow. Earth, Wind, and Fire took the stage. Wow. Well, they're rich as hell. Yeah. So, exactly. so they spent some money. Uh, wow. That's funny that the, 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 the governor disappears and there's media coverage. Of, Where's the governor? It's weird. It's because he's at this wedding and he doesn't want anybody to know he's at this wedding. Wow, I've got more details from the party. It's just crazy. Wow, I'm going to have to get a bib or something. Cause oh, like... so much vomit. <laughs> really sick to my stomach. And actually, I threw up yesterday. Some super interesting political stats, among other things, on the way. Stay here. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I tarried too long in getting the cream for my coffee. Barely made it back in time. I like cream in my coffee. You are a terrier. Uh, so I'm reading about the uh, the wedding of this uh, Getty heiress woman. And- uh, Ivy Love Getty. That uh, Gavin Mussolini, the governor of Cal Unicornia, he was supposed to be at the climate conference, but he was at this five-day bacchanal for uh, the Getty family instead. Uh, because he's long been tied. I can't remember the, the, the connection. He's been sponsored by them, and then he's his first wife something, and Nancy Pelosi something uh, uh, something. The, the all those, all those uh, rich families are in bed together uh, in yeah, California. The rich and powerful, politics and the money, all are all the same, all together. And Nancy Pelosi officiated this wedding. So I had this uh, British invasion party at the uh, Museum of Fine Arts. The following day, guests joined the couple for a picnic lunch on the log cabin at the Presidio overlooking the city. IV drips were at the ready for anyone in need of help recovering from the night before. So you said this is a thing at golf tournaments now? Uh, The IV thing? I've heard of it. Yeah, hard party in tournaments. They have it in Vegas. Isn't sticking a needle in you like a, a medical thing that shouldn't just be... Done willy-nilly because you got too hammered last night and you want to get over your hangover? Somebody get Carrie Nation a crying towel, would you? <laughs> Good Lord, mind your own business. 
It just uh, seems like a crossing a line of some sort. You're not going to leave enough time for the hot couture discussion. Butterflies are sentimental to Ivy, so we incorporated them wherever possible, says the designer of the bride's look for this daytime event. The, this archive Alexander McQueen gown from pre-fall 2016 had her name all over it. A black lace gown with an open back and mock neck featuring dozens of hand-embroidered butterflies whose wings fluttered as she walked. It was all about dark romance. Well, it goes on and on about the clothes because it's Vogue. Uh, then you had a uh, ceremony rehearsal at City Hall, an intimate dinner at an expensive restaurant, and they described the look for paragraphs and paragraphs. The wedding day started with a pajama party. We had the we have the whole mezzanine level, Getty explained. There's a styling room with all of the extra clothes, and there's two hotel rooms that they removed all of the hotel furniture from. And then that there's are these individual Margiela boxes with all of the bride names engraved in them. The excess is astounding. Yeah. Said the dress designer, somebody Galliano Galliano. Normally, I don't do bridesmaids' dresses because bridal gowns alone take up so much of my time. But I was so bewitched by Ivy and her stories of these women she had grown up with. I'm thinking that I made an exception. I'm thinking you were <laughs> bewitched by the amount of money they paid you. You know what? Yeah, I'll give you a hundred grand per dress. Oh, I'm bewitched. <laughs> I I assume that the super rich think we all like would like to be able to do that or do that or whatever. I'd, I'd pay not to have to go to all that crap. I honestly would. They recarpeted two floors of the city hall. Wow. Had all sorts of drapes and things. It had to be well into six figures, just decorations to deck out City Hall, and then the dress is crazy. With oh. the speaker, the freaking house officiating your wedding. Exactly. Standing up for the poor. <laughs> <laughs> Much more to come. Don't go away. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm looking at this stuff this guy Eric Levitz wrote in New York Times Magazine. He said that seems to me, he's talking about the Virginia election and just a, a politics among Democrats in general. He said, it seems to me that some of the practices that have been dubbed CRT, critical race theory, you know, and uh, people are arguing that technically they're not teaching CRT. That's a lie. What a phony argument. Um, and I hear it from people on the right, too, which pisses me off. That's not the point, you morons. You're too smart for your own good. Yeah, it's the, the like, super elite conservative intellectual class. That they, they, they have no idea what, what the world looks like to the rest of us. They just they exist in their rarefied air. Good. It's, have fun. It seems to me that some of the practices that have been dubbed CRT do warrant the left's disavowal. He's a lefty. Less on grounds of political pragmatism than on those of ideological principle. A decent number of progressive groups and well-intentioned school districts do seem to be hiring quack consultants to dispense laughable race malarkey and recipes for organizational self-sabotage, which is bad, and progressives shouldn't hesitate to say so. Our institution should not be patronizing the dissemination of bizarre racial stereotypes or modes of ostensibly anti-racist discourse that credit white culture for the scientific method, for instance. Yeah, I know that so much of that is so condescending toward people of color that the, the scientific method, data, logic, those only white people can handle that. So he's basically saying this is bad and it's killing us politically. So we got to we got to recognize what's going on on our side. So that's one thing. 
Now, another thing. So I was talking about, I was listening to this podcast with Senator Ben, ben Sass of Nebraska, which if you've never really caught his act, oh my God, anytime he's speaking, listen, what a super sharp and wise guy when it comes to America, American politics, and all kinds of different topics. Anyway, he pointed out a couple of things about the politics that we got going on right now that I thought were really interesting. He's a data guy, and he he came up through the ranks of working for various corporations, analyzing data, and that's his thing. He keeps a time clock for himself so he can go back and see what he spent his time on and whether it's in the proportions he wants. Yeah, that's I'm not like that. Mm-mm. <laughs> have I eaten yet today? I think I have. I'll Wait eat. a minute. I'll Maybe eat. not. I'll eat anyway. <laughs> I ate yesterday. <laughs> anyway... He pointed out, uh, as far as our polarization now, and, uh, and, and and we all know all that stuff, in the 90s, there was over a quarter of people that called themselves moderates, and they were the most likely crowd to vote. Now, only 7% of people call themselves moderates, and they are the least likely group to vote. So it's gotten pushed out toward the edges are the most likely people to vote, and there's a smaller crowd calling themselves moderate. Now, he makes the point that what he what he means when he's saying moderate, and I think what most people mean when they say moderate, is um, n- not in terms of, uh, like, policy, for instance. It's just in terms of um, tone and, and manner more than your politics. It's hmm. it, it doesn't make sense that you're like, I don't know. Uh, you're you're really high tax and uh, and 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 anti-abortion. I mean, those people don't necessarily exist. But the the moderation of tone and the way you look at the world that's 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 what we need no more moderation of. Not the my side's always right and the other side is beyond wrong. They're evil. I don't know if that's getting us anywhere good. But anyway, so that's been a pretty major change just since the 90s that the middle group has disappeared. The middle group, which was the most likely group to vote, has disappeared and pushed toward the edges. About- yeah, I think I think that has a lot to do with the nature of media and communication in the modern age and the desire to get every single uh, mirror fogger on earth to show up at the polls. I mean, if I'm at a high school assembly, for instance, and I want to I want to convince five people of a certain proposition, I'll have a way of communicating to them, not only, you know, physically, but the words I choose and the rest of it. If I want to convince everybody in the edit- auditorium or a majority of those in the auditorium of a message, I'm going to have a completely different message delivered in a completely different way. And I think, you know, I, I just it is impossible to break through in the modern input every single second world. With anything but uh, the most extreme messages. And there's such a feedback I... loop of fundraising around the most, uh, yes. the, the loudest, most extreme voices. Right, right. And and I hope I'm at least partially wrong in that uh, smart people will figure out a way to uh, to usher in a more sensible age, but I'm not super optimistic. Uh, we've talked uh, a lot about how there's really less than 1% of people that are controlling the dialogue on Twitter. Twitter has such an outsized influence in politics, in the media, and everywhere else. Most people aren't on Twitter at all, and of those that are on, it's a tiny number of people that control the conversation, yet... It gets so much attention. You see quotes from Twitter all the time. Here's one person who tweeted, who freaking cares? Um, and even the blue checkmark people are just a tiny slice of America. Uh, I got some more, uh, some more stats that fit in with that in just a second. But first, we ought to tell you about 
simply safe. Oh, yeah, and I want to get to the incredible decline in abortion as an uh, electoral issue, too. But, yeah, speaking of Simply Safe, uh, great news. Our friends at Simply Safe right now are giving Armstrong and Getty listeners 40% off their award-winning home security. Simply Safe with everything you need to make your home safe or your workshop or business safe, indoor and outdoor cameras, comprehensive sensors, all monitored around the clock by trained professionals who send help the instant you need it. Yeah, do you live your life where you're like, did I hear a noise? Did you hear something? Was that something? You don't worry about that when you got a really good home security system because it would alert you if anything's going on. And this is the best home security system of 2021, according to U.S. News & World Report. You can just go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, click around, customize it to your own home, order it. It's easy to set up yourself, and if you have any problems, there's plenty of people there at Simply Safe to help you. And you can get a complete home security system starting at just over a hundred bucks. So don't wait till some junkie from some bum camp has stolen all your stuff to call. Uh, go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, 40% off your entire system. Hurry, offer and soon, simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. So adding to the, the fact that it was the middle, more moderate crowd that used to be the most likely voters that were out there. So you got the people that lean Democrat, people that lean Republican, probably. They were the most likely voters to go out there. Now they're the least likely to vote. The most likely voters are on the extreme. And you're probably never going to change those people's minds with any amount of political advertising, probably. So it's all about, as Joe was just talking about, motivating them to get out to the polls. It becomes all a turnout game. But you've also got this thing. Uh, about 8% on the left and 6% on the right are the hyperactive political junkies that are driving all of the fundraising and all of the conversations and all of the marches and all of this and that. 8% on the left, 6% on the right. Hmm. Studies have shown, repeated studies have shown that that crowd actually knows less than the people who pay less attention about various topics. Oh, to quote Ronald Reagan, it's not that they don't know anything it's that what they know isn't true yeah so the most active loudest people in politics on the left and the right know less than the rest of us about various issues you know i'm going to take that with a grain of salt i haven't seen it but uh, um, judging by the most adamant and angry of our emailers and texters absolutely it rings at least partially sure heck yeah yeah there's truth there how interesting! I don't know how that uh, I don't know how that ever changes or how we ever fix that. Well, uh, just a you know a quick glimpse behind the curtain. I mean, we do pay some attention to the feedback we get from folks in the audience, um, uh, but you have to be fairly careful about it because of what we were just talking about. I mean, the angriest nut jobs will email ten times a day and text twenty times a day, and you just uh, again you have to be uh, well a you have to be measured in how much you take that seriously and b you have to have enough confidence in your own uh perception of things and just do your own thing yeah and they've got links to 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 organizations that are just feeding you stuff that's just not true right right anyway so i found this really interesting david french who i frequently uh, disagree with was writing uh for the podcast about uh, abortion as an electoral issue and specifically you know the supreme court has uh, taken is taking a look at a couple of abortion related cases including the um the mississippi uh, case planned parenthood versus casey that they're saying is absolutely teed up to overturn or not overturn roe v wade 
And French makes the point that if the court does indeed overrule Roe and and Casey, this new case, then for the first time since 1973, states would be empowered to ban abortions within their borders. It would go from the courts back to the legislatures, which a lot of people actually have for decades have been in favor of. Some of the poll numbers from the Virginia race having to do with abortion surprised the hell out of me. They'll surprise the hell out of you, too, and it goes right back to the question of those people screaming into bullhorns on the steps of the Supreme Court. Is that really most American women being represented there, or is that a lunatic fringe? The answer will probably not shock you, and it's next. Armstrong and Getty. I saw that uh, guys' restaurants are facing a shortage uh, because of uh, supply chain issues of takeout containers. Oh. Yeah, that'll be fun when the Uber Eats guy's like, here's your fries. <laughs> you put it on your lap or you want to... <laughs> but this is a huge problem for McDonald's because they actually make McRibs out of takeout containers. Really? Jeez. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. I like that. It's parts of the pig polite pigs never bring up, I'll tell you that. Mm. Mm. I hate rude pigs. So this is really interesting. I realize there's been a great deal of uh, attention and analysis paid to the uh, Virginia governor's race, uh, perhaps in some minds too much, although it's a purple state. It's a state went heavily for Biden. Every single county moved right. I mean, really interesting. Plus a lot of the, the issues that we talk about here on the show, education, uh, woke schools, the uh, the teachers' unions, uh, keeping your poor little kids out of school, the rest of it, were huge factors in the election. So I, I find it intriguing. Uh, David French is writing in the dispatch, and he talks about how the Supreme Court's taking on a couple of uh, cases that could well result in uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned and the question of abortion returned to the states. And so you'd think that, uh, particularly given the incredibly high-profile abortion issues take in the media, you'd think that now any state race would be, hell, all about abortion, or at least to a large extent about it. Uh, he says, to put the matter plainly, it's entirely possible the Supreme Court will meaningfully and perhaps even dramatically increase state authority over abortion rights. This means the candidates' respective opinions on abortion potentially mattered more than any candidate's positions in almost 50 years. Oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. For some reason, I didn't follow it. So abortion goes back to the states. Well, it matters what your state governor wants to do with abortion. And legislators and everybody else, yeah. So Terry McAuliffe understood this reality and made the threat uh, to abortion rights, one of the centerpieces of his campaign. In late October, CNBC reported that three of McAuliffe's most expensive ads targeted Yunkin for his pro-life stance. They were, quote, among the former governor's most aired ads on broadcast or cable television, with each airing over 1,100 times. McAuliffe made a campaign stop in September at an abortion clinic. And as National Review's John McCormick pointed out, pieces in the New Yorker, NPR, Washington Post, accurately noted that the race would prove an interesting test of the new politics of abortion. Well, what happened? If the exit polls are to be believed, the issue fizzled. Voters largely did not care. Or I would say they cared about a lot of other things a lot more. 
Only 8% listed abortion as their top issue. Okay? Not even one out of 10. And of those, about 60% voted for Youngkin anyway. The economy, education, the big number ones. Taxes, coronavirus, all far more consequential. If you spend your life online, and you shouldn't, French rights, amen to that, you might be shocked. Few issues generate more Twitter intensity than abortion. Offline, the the reality is quite different. Uh, And then he goes into some of the details about it, and evangelicals in particular. Um, Why the indifference? Go ahead. Have I lived long enough to see this recede as a major issue? And why? Why is it receding as a major issue? People's views don't seem to have changed much. Well, you know, uh, French tosses up one piece of analysis by, uh, what is his name, John McCormack, saying that uh, what happens in one state won't have much of an impact on how voters vote in other states. In other words, Texas is Virginia, and Virginia voters rightly care less about Texas. And Youngkin didn't stake out an abolitionist position anyway. You know, the other thing I would say is that for the vast majority of us, um, and I respect all views on abortion. I don't necessarily, uh, well, I absolutely don't agree with all of them, but I, I get that. I don't respect any view on late-term abortion. You're wrong and a murderer. Right. Like I say, I, I understand that view. It's it's deadly wrong and it's horrible, but I, I get it. Um, but what I was driving to is that the vast majority of Americans, and this is a point we've made before, the vast majority of Americans say first trimester I don't like it, but I understand if a woman doesn't want to be pregnant, I understand she gets to end it. Again, I don't love it. In fact, maybe I hate it, but I can live with it. Second semester, trimester rather, the vast majority of Americans say, whoa, 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 that's a baby. Uh, Very particular circumstances, I guess, maybe, but very particular. Third trimester, virtually. Every American says, no, that's a baby. You're killing a baby. So, yeah, it's getting harder to gin up the whole, they're trying to ban all the back alley coat hangers versus, you know, the, the, the far to the right pro-life position. That's undermined by the fact that most Americans, when they actually like get into a conversation or see the statistics, realize there's really not that much of an issue here. Yeah, I got to admit, there's not as much talk about this as I thought there would be as we uh, come up on uh, you know, the, the the biggest role the Supreme Court's going to play in abortion since the early '70s, and uh, there's not as much talk about it as I thought there would be. I thought it was just going to be heated and furious and and already breaking through, and it's not. And I got to believe, you know, with most media looking at clickonomics, they're just realizing this is just not something that many people are into. Yeah. Yeah, and and they're trying as hard as they can in the uh, fundraising gin-up anger business to fundraise and gin-up anger. But I think, well, I will tell you this. If Roe v. Wade gets overturned, what's going to happen is every legislature, every state legislature across the fruited plain is going to rush into session, and they're going to debate like crazy, and they're going to pass laws. Well, some states don't have to because they already have laws in place, triggered laws that already, like California, they've already passed a law. If Roe versus Wade is overturned, immediately California law becomes abortions okay. Great, it's point. already been dis- discussed. Great point. Yeah, and so you're going to see a huge number of states uh, pass uh, fairly permissive laws. 
you're going to see a, a, a very, very large, but probably the majority of states passed very reasonable middle-of-the-groundy laws. And there are some states that will be very, very restrictive, and people will vote with their feet, and they will vote literally. Um, and it will be returned to legislatures. I don't, I don't, there's no abortion apocalypse coming, no matter how loudly they scream and wear handmaid's right. tails uniforms on the Supreme <laughs> Court steps. Okay, how much time I got, Michael? We got a weird text. You got a minute and a half. That's probably about, uh, that's more than enough time. So we got this text. Jack, tell the licking the knife story. Uh... <laughs> I don't. I remember something about it. I don't remember the outlines of it. Bought new butter knives. How many? I had the butter knives. How many butter knives do you need? I had the butter knives that I had as a kid. In fact, I still got some of the same silverware I ate on as a kid. My mom gave them to me at some point, and they got new stuff. So So are you talking just knives that aren't particularly sharp or like specifically for butter knives? Well, the butter knives I grew up with as a kid, there was just like, I don't know. I don't know what you call them. I always called them a butter knife. They look like a regular knife, but they just... And I would lick it all the time when I was a kid. You know, you butter something, you lick it, and then put it down on your plate or whatever. Knife licker. And uh, then I got new knives, not realizing that they were serrated, because they couldn't see the serration, and I licked my butter knife. It felt kind of weird. I went and looked in the mirror, and I had sliced my tongue open from top to bottom. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's one of the worst things I've ever seen and done, and I hate to even think about it. Sounds like something ISIS would do. <laughs> yeah, it is, exactly. Why did you text that? Why did you want to hear that you, again, you, you weirdo? You probably wish you had missed this segment, but if you ever miss a segment, <laughs> get it to Armstrong and Getty On Demand, wherever you like to get podcasts. Armstrong and Getty.